everybody is fundamentally the ultimate reality, the self, the deep down basic whatever there is, and you're all that, only you're pretending you're not. Who we are is not this physical body that we're in that is here for a moment and gone. Who we are is this infinite intelligence, and we forget that. The same intelligence that, is, that created this infinite universe that never ends is you. And those of us seeking a way to transform life, to capture fulfillment in every now moment, to redefine our reality to live this life to its fullest. This is the Live This Life Podcast. And I'm your host, Heath Cummings. I'm here to inspire you to ask yourself the question every single day. Are you living or are you killing time? What's going on, everybody? Today, I would like to welcome to the Live This Life podcast, my friend, the No Excuses Coach, Christopher Rausch. Christopher and I, we got connected through a mutual friend being the one and only Princeton Clark, and we've been on very many clubhouse rooms together over the past year. Um, and I was just a guest on his show, the Ron Unscripted Show, and we had an awesome conversation on there. So I would uh, guess that this one's going to be another amazing conversation um, very excited to have this kick-ass guy on the show, and I'll definitely have to warn you that uh, most of our show, we, we uh, keep it pretty clean, but this guy is Ron Unscripted, and our conversation always are as well, so I'm marking this one as explicit just as a <laughs> just as a preemptive, <laughs> just because maybe, no, there's no maybe, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely be uh, dishing on all sorts of stuff, so Christopher Rausch, welcome to the show, my man. It's a pleasure to be here, brother. Finally got you here. I know Finally that you're, you're here. Gonna be, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be asking some uh, some really good questions, so I'm excited. I'm excited to have you. I know we have a lot of things going on together. We do uh, several different rooms together on Clubhouse every single week, and we got to know each other pretty well. I consider Christopher part of my tribe. He's part of my circle. Like this is this is exactly what I talk about when people say like, "Oh, I don't have people around me, and I don't have." you know, the circle of people that I wish I could have to elevate me to a higher place. And it's like, you got to be it to see it. And when you kind of elevate yourself, you attract people like Christopher and we're on opposite coasts and we haven't met in person yet, but I know I'm going to get my ass out to California at some point real soon, because right now it's 23 degrees where I'm at and it's 73 degrees where he's at. So uh, I'm getting out there sometime soon, whether it's just to get some warm weather, or get out there and see the West coast, but do it. Definitely. So, uh, I ask sort of a predictable question every time somebody comes on the show. So I'm going to hit you with, what does it mean to live your best life according to Christopher Roush? That has shifted so many times over the years, man. Honestly, right now, for me, living my best life is to be in the moment, is to really truly be in the moment. I've always been in the results. I've always been in the outcomes. I've always been in the, the predictability of certainty and safety and comfort. But since my son has come along into the picture, um, I really cherish the fact of surrendering to the ego and surrendering to a lot of the things that I thought I had to do instead of just being able to embrace the moments and just live life um, in flow rather than, than predictability and planning and all that other shit that I used to do. That's the way to do it. I mean, being in the moment, that's the only moment that really ever is. You know, we talk about that a lot. I talk about that a lot in different conversations. Power of Now was like one of the books that absolutely changed my life. We read that in the very first season of the show. 
Um, and that one just opened up my eyes so much. So I definitely agree with that one. Just being, being present in that moment, because there is no, the past is gone and the future is unwritten. You know, it's that moment of now where you're creating from every single second. So it's true. It's where the magic is at, man. Yeah. You just get to surrender. I mean, you just, you set the intentionality. If you're going to go spend time with your kids, it's like, I'm going to set the intention. I'm going to go be present and play with my son. If you're going to write, you'd be in the intentionality of writing. If you're going to be with your spouse, be in that space. If you're working, be in that space, just be where you're at and just enjoy that. Cause so many people I've talked to who have become super successful, made billions of dollars, millions of dollars, you know, rock stars or actors. I've talked to them all. They ultimately sit there and say, they wish they could go back and experience some of those moments where they were just constantly, you know, living in a state of, you know, what if, or was and all of their stuff. And they'd just rather be in the moment. So it's something that I found that that helps me process and really enjoy life as opposed to trying to predict it and plan it and all other shit I used to do. Yeah. How long would you say it's been since you've had that mindset? Honestly, it's been the last couple of years. When I left corporate back in November of 2019, it took it took quite a bit of a toll on me, you know, adjusting from being at a, at a company for 26 years, growing up in that company, going from being the the lowest guy in the in the rung at the in the warehouse to going and being the director of operations, all the different relationships and everything that I had, my identity I found out was really caught up in who I was in those moments, and I was always constantly either trying to to apologize for something that that somebody else wanted in a different way that I couldn't deliver, or or trying to predict what everybody else wanted so I could just keep everybody happy and. And I was stressing myself out to the point where I was just like, you know, I make great money. I have all these benefits and everything else, but I'm not, I'm not being congruent to my purpose. I'm not going to be incongruent to the people I coach to. And ultimately there was an opportunity where the company and I didn't see eye to eye anymore. And they gave me a package and I said, I'll take it. And then I left. And then during those ensuing months, it really caused me to, to, you know, really examine what it is that I wanted in my life. And I determined rather than the success of, of taking my, my story of what I've been through and making it, you know, this, this awe-inspiring speech or whatever it is, um, when my son came along, it just really occurred to me, the main focus of my life is to be the best dad I can possibly be for him. And the way I can do that is to be present in the moments. And the other way I can do that is to be congruent in the things that I say and I do to set the example for him to follow when he gets older. Yeah, we they're watching every move. They watch every single move. And it's the same with me. I mean, I think uh, probably just about the same amount of time that I've shifted my mindset to really live in more of a now moment. And I'm, I still backslide, you know, I've talked about that a lot lately is those backslides are okay to have, you know, you're, Mm -hmm. you're slowly like fine tuning the frequency, you got those big dips and highs and lows and stuff. And then eventually you fine tune it and you get to, you know, like a resonance where you're kind of on on an even keel and you have your backslides into your old self. But I found myself not worried so much about what's going to happen and planning for things. And, you know, I definitely have a lot of things tugging at me all the time, but trying to be more present, put down that the stupid electronics, you know, that's the right. biggest thing is that's always distracting people. But I look around me sometimes and I look at people and just see how many people are not living in that moment. You know, they can't wait to go somewhere else and they're, they're, mm-hmm. you know, wrapped up in their electronic devices. And what do you think is it that kicks people out of that? Like, do you have to, it's something like basically have to slap you upside the head. Cause it seems like that's, <laughs> that's where everybody ends up like the two by four of life hits you. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I got to be more present. Yeah. 
No, that's a, that's a great question. Actually, last year I did a podcast. I've talked a lot about it. It's like signs and signposts that we get it throughout our life. You know, we get a little nudge here and a little nudge here. The nudge gets to be a little bit push. The push becomes a shove. The shove becomes a punch. The punch becomes a slab. And it's just like these signs keep coming at us. And, it, and you're right. It usually takes something that gets us out of the, 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 I mean, Tony Robbins talks about, we do things for one of two reasons to avoid pain or to gain pleasure. And so we're continuing getting that dopamine hit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it usually takes something like, you know, me having a conversation with somebody and saying, okay, if your screen time is more than the, the time you invest with your family each and every night, then you're fucking stupid. You're, you're wasting your time because you don't get to have those moments back. And everybody I've talked to is older and successful and everything else. They would trade their money to be able to go back and have those, have those moments and experience those moments. So yeah. it's really about where our focus and intention really is. Um, and I feel bad for those people that literally can't leave their phone alone. Um, I know people who've had nervous breakdowns when their phone is broken and they've had to take it to the shop for three hours. And I'm just like, I've, 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 I've still have my phone. I, I, I broke it. Like I, last year I went without it for a week. I'm like, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, I can't get a hold of you, Chris. I'm like, my phone's broken. <laughs> my phone's broken. And it was funny. Actually, I could really, I could show it to you. We're here on, we're here on camera. Um, yeah. This was, this was my phone. And I, was, I would send pictures. I'm like, sorry, I can't use my phone. It's, it's, uh, it's not working. So, um, yeah, I mean, people just have to get aware that, you know, that time doesn't last forever and that, that the precious gifts in life are really where you're at, you know, and so many times we think that we'll be happier when, you know, we play the someday game. Oh, someday when this happens or when this happens, then I'll be happy. And it's like, if you're not happy and in, in, in living in a, in, a, in a state of gratitude and abundance and love, then you're most, li- most likely living in a state of fear and anxiety and scarcity. And that only begets more of that in the vibrations that you, that you put out in life. So it's crazy for me to say that, honestly, Heath, because my tagline literally is I help people overcome their self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. And the fluffy bullshit is all the stuff that I've been learning over the last couple of years about spirituality and connection to source and, and all these different things that my friends would probably drop their jaw and be like, what happened to Chris? Where, where, where's this guy at? And it's just, it's part of the journey to embrace. And I wish I would have learned it so many years ago. So that's why I'm so passionate about telling people like, just be now, just right now, just be you. That's it. Just be you and be happy. And if you like something, keep doing it. If you don't, don't do it. There's the success to life. I'm your coach. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so let's, let's dive into your story a little bit. You know, um, maybe, maybe the cliff notes version for the sake of time, because I got a lot of stuff I want to dive in. And I know you've told your story on a lot of different places that you've been, but you know, I want people to get an idea of where the no excuses coach came from, you know, what brought you there and what brought you to, to make your show run unscripted. No, that's a great question, man. I will give you the Cliff Notes version as best as I can. So um, th- that version is that I'm a former seventh grade homeless dropout who lived in the backseat of a station wagon with 18 cats and two dogs and a mother with sci- various psychiatric disorders. And I was at the age of 13 years old when I had to leave in seventh grade. And because my mom wouldn't give up her animals, uh, we couldn't get into a house or anything else. So I had a country square station wagon. And the ensuing four years were spent in and out of motels. Uh, she was raped. Um, I got into drugs and violence and gangs at a very early age, uh, shoplifting. And it came to a point where one day uh, after two failed attempts at suicide that uh, I had a gun put to my head and I thought I was going to have my, bla- my, my brains blown all over the place. And I realized that in that situation, I had to either that I was either going to get out of the situation in a pine box, I was going to get in the back, out of the situation in a cop car in the jail, or I was going to have to do it on my own. And I did it on my own. And I'm proud to say that ultimately I wound up going back to school, getting my GED, got into college and got my uh, associate's degree, bachelor's degree. And then I went all for it and got my master's degree. The same year I graduated, I bought my first house and I've never looked back and I've just committed my life to helping other people do the same thing. 
Dude. That's the shortest version I could possibly tell. <laughs> and now I'm happily married to an amazing wife, and I have a five-year-old son we adopted from birth, and uh, I absolutely love my, my love my life. Yeah, and if you guys, you know, after this episode, look Christopher up and and dig into some of the stuff that he's done. I mean, to talk about, I mean, that's such a cliff notes version. <laughs> that's it's the very short version, but I mean, I know Christopher's story very well, and when you hear the depths that people come from, sometimes. And then you see where they're at. Just see two extremes that people can come from and where they go to. It makes you stop and think about your own life. You know, it it makes you think about, wow, the things that I feel like I'm limited on or the hard road that I've come from, my setbacks, you know, my quote unquote setbacks that would hold me back in life. And that's a narrative that a lot of people will use as to why they're not more of a success in life is because I had such a setback. But when you hear people like you talk about where you've started from and how much of a setback you would have been. And it's easy to stay in that place. It's super easy to stay where you Mm -hmm. were and continue that going forward. You use the examples of what you saw when you were at those ages. And that just carries over to your adult life. That's how you're taught to operate. You go down the opposite road, you know, you put the brakes on and literally did a 180 and turn around. And I just find that so motivational at at any point in your own life, you can look at someone like Christopher, like all these other people that I've crossed paths with that have those amazing stories. And just, you can find it in yourself too. Like everybody has that deep down inside them. And I'm sure at one point you didn't know you had that there. What was the turning point? Was there an aha moment? Was there a turning point like that, that day you talked about where you said, you know, it was either going to be a pine box, a cop car, you're going to do it yourself. Like what happened there and how did that fire you up to go all the way to where you are? I mean, that's, it's literally like a, a rocket firing to the stars. That is such a great question. I was telling you off camera that I was just writing for my book. It's actually the book about my mom and myself and the journey that we went went through. And I was just writing about those experiences. So yeah, ultimately it became the fact I came back from uh, somewhere and I was walking through the parking lot of this motel and this guy came up to me and wanted me to buy a carton of uh, Marble Reds for five bucks. And I said, oh man, I don't smoke Marble Reds. I smoke Cools. The ensuing conversation got heated because he thought I was racist and he thought I was reaching into my back pocket to pull a weapon out and he put a gun up to my head and it was about to blow my brains out. Unfortunately, one of my black friends came out and said, no, 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 him and his mom are cool. And so ultimately it got me to that point, like, all right, shit's real. This is, this is real. I'm either going to, something's going to happen, but why am I getting arrested? I'm going to wind up getting my ass beat or wind up dead, or uh, I'm going to have to get out of here. And it was crazy because when you put yourself, and I believe this now, when you put yourself in a state of mind where you're ready for that next, that next opportunity, you're ready to take that next leap. The universe says, all right, I'm going to present you with something. We're talking about signs and signposts. We're, I'm going to present you with something. So me and a buddy of mine that lived at the motel also, we worked as telemarketers out of this guy's apartment in Huntington Beach here in Southern California which sounds creepy, but we were setting roofing appointments. And a couple of days after this all took place, we went to work and our boss, Norman said, "Uh, well, guys, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And I told him, I said, listen, I've had enough bad news to last a lifetime. I think I was 17 years old at the time. And uh, my buddy was like 24. And he says, well, uh, the good news is I want to leave you in my apartment. And the bad news is I'm moving to Texas. And me and Robert just looked at each other like, what? What does this mean? What do you mean? He's like, well, I know you guys live in that motel and I know you've been homeless and da, 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 da. He goes, so as my gift to you guys, because you guys are such stand-up guys, he goes, I want to leave you my apartment first and last and deposit. You know, you just have to sign over and take the lease. And this was back in 1986, 1987, when the the apartment in Huntington Beach, two-bedroom apartment in a beautiful grounds was 825 bucks a month. 
And me and Robert just looked at each other like, oh my God, this could be ours. We could actually live in a nice place with a pool and plants and all, because we lived in a fucking concrete shithole. It was not even a joke. And I was, and all of a sudden it was like, it took me all about 30 seconds to go, oh yeah, my mom's not gonna let me do this because my mom had massive control over me at that time. I was a people pleaser. I just wanted to do anything I could do to make her happy, get her validation, get her love, her approval, her significance. And I was like, oh, and Robert's like, no, I'm going to do this, whether it's without you, with you or without you. And I could do it with my brother and blah, blah, blah. So I said, give me a few days to think about this. And I thought, honestly, I said, you know, everything that my mom had put me through up until that time, the physical abuse, the mental abuse, not knowing my biological father, having my half sister take off when I was nine years old, all the different abandonment issues that I dealt with um, really came to a head. And I thought, you know what? I said, I thought to myself, I said, my mom actually might let me do this. She might say, you know what, Chris, I fucked your life up enough and I want you to go do this. You deserve to go do this. I'm here. I've chosen to be here. Um, she even won the lottery. We won $5,000 while we were homeless and we still didn't get a place to live. And so, um, and so I sat there and thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I got to do this. I got to do this. So I went back and I told my mom and she was not supportive at all. She called me every name in the book, blah, blah, blah. What about me? What am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. That's when I found out about codependency. And ultimately I sat there and I said, you know what? I have to do this. I have to do this for myself. I'll st- I'm not leaving you, but I'm leaving the motel. And literally from that point, I started meeting some amazing people. I started partying a lot and getting around the, the, the hair metal rock scene. But at the same time, I met this girl who introduced me to her family and much to my surprise, I was a long haired smoking cigarette, living in an apartment with five guys, dating this girl from the other side of the tracks and everything. And her parents were like highfalutin. They had a living room you don't even sit in. Like I never heard of that before. And they looked into me and they didn't look at me. They looked into me and they, they encouraged me to go back and get my GED. And Bill was just an amazing mentor of mine. That's Tammy's dad. Um, he became such an advocate of mine. And uh, yeah, it was just an amazing story. Once I started aligning myself with the right people and started seeing that success leaves clues, I said, well, I, I need not to do the things my mom's doing because she's not successful. I need to do what this cat's doing. So I just started studying people and starting studying motivation. And then the rest is history because I just got hooked on the fact that we can be responsible for our own issues and nobody's going to come to save us. Nobody's going to do it. We have to stand up on our own. Otherwise, that's it. That's amazing stuff, man. Amazing stuff. What yeah. do you I don't think, know how I did it. <laughs> like, like, like when you look back on it though, did you, did you even have to think about it while you were doing it or did it just happen? Like you just literally dug it out of nowhere. I just had to do it. I just, yeah. I just made it a point. That's why I've always come up. That's why my, my, one of my hashtags is unstoppable as I've literally just kept going. You just go and you figure it out. You know, if you sit there and try to plan and figure everything out, you're going to come up with all the obstacles. But if you just start taking those steps, you'll figure it out. Like I had no idea how to get a GED. I got on the phone and I started calling schools around the area. And lo and behold, I found a place that did GEDs, general equivalency diploma. Same thing with school. I didn't have any idea about college. I didn't think I had the brains to get in college. I didn't think they were let me in the front door. I walked to the admissions counter and I said, hi, I'd like to come to school here. And I didn't think I could afford it. I didn't think, no, okay, sir, sir. I walked out of there. My first class was an interpersonal communications class, which is one of the best classes I could have ever taken. I learned how to listen. I learned about people. I learned about communication and relationships. I was like, okay, these are the things my mom doesn't do. So I just kept focusing on that and just kept, you know, inspiring myself to just keep going. I mean, I literally didn't stop. And my friends, my friends didn't support me. My friends were like, oh, that's stupid. Mr. Smarty pants. You know, I was, you know, here I'm going back to school and I'm like, what? So I, I had to make another decision. I like hang out with my friends and be popular and hang out with all these girls and do drugs and go to parties and all this other shit or decide to go to school and have to study. And right. so right, no sooner was I under the clutches of my mom and, and being restricted in that area, then I put myself on discipline and said, okay, you got to make up for all these years, go back to school, get into college, get a good job. And you know, I never stopped until I got my master's degree. 
And that's, that's exactly the decisions that you make though, that leads to the different fruit that shows up in your life though. You have the decisions you can make to stay with those people and hang out and have the parties and do all the things that are fun at the time. But ultimately, what does that lead to? You know, it's the decisions you make every single decision, every moment of now you make a certain decision and that leads to whatever's going to come up. And a lot of people don't make those decisions. You know, what do you feel is a pivotal part of people's lives that makes them not choose a road that they know is better for them? What keeps them having their own self-limiting beliefs. Like what have you found when you've uncovered it with these people? That is like the key that keeps them rooted there. Cause I'm sure that you've come across people to coach who are almost uncoachable. Like you've tried your best, but they don't, you can't do it all for them. What is it with those particular types of people? Great question. It's really comes down to the five people you associate with the most. You know, if you hang around people who hold you down and sit there and give you that victim card, like, oh, it's okay. Okay, Chris, you know, you were abused and you were you were homeless and it's okay, you know, and, and they want you to stay miserable with them because they don't want to be they don't want to be reminded of the things that they're they're lacking in. For me, it was, I mean, it was super challenging, but it's it it's when you sit there and you you use that victim card and you use that that situation where for me, I call it the triple A. You know, first you got to be aware of a situation. The second part is you have to accept the responsibility of that situation, not blame other people. And if you're on a blaming streak, that's that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna beget more of that, you're gonna find more negativity in the world. And that's just gonna create that self-fulfilling prophecy, the self-eliminating beliefs. You're gonna go to your short-term gratifications to ignore your life and your problems. And then usually it's something that that comes in a in the form of a life or death situation that causes us to wake up and examine all the things that we've been doing and realizing that it's up to us to be able to change that. But getting around different people has always been massive. I have coached people like just write down, take a list and put down the five people you're around the most. And are they positive or negative? You can't be in between. And if they're negative, you need to get different people. And then I teach people about getting a team, you know, having somebody you could trust, somebody who can empower you, somebody who can hold you accountable and somebody who's your mentor, and they can't be the same person. And throughout the last couple of years, I found so many people maybe have one person in their life they go to for all of those things. And so basically they don't have a team. They don't have resources. They sit there in, 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 in miserable silence, being comfortably miserable, hoping, wishing, praying that something's going to change, but it's got to come from within. You have to identify what legacy you want to leave in this world and create a plan working backwards to fulfill that and wake up every day and set the intention that you're going to accomplish that. And you're going to surround yourself with, with amazing people and to ultimately realize is the final thing is that people come into your life for a reason, season, or a lifetime. Mm-hmm. I don't speak to my sister anymore. I reunited with her back in 2005. She was a little off a lot off and I wished her well. And so many people have benefited from that story. Cause like, Oh my God, I have so many people in my family that, you know, they just, they're so negative. And I'm like, blood. No, I've got, I've got amazing people like yourself and Princeton and Lee and Tara and all these beautiful people that, that, that are way more family than anybody could ever possibly be in that situation. So I just look at it as like, okay, you know, that was then this is now, and this is who I am. And this is who I continue to, to grow to be. And the biggest thing for me is just to be me because when I was being somebody else, I was attracting people who didn't, who were attracted to somebody who wasn't me. So once I just started being me over these last couple of years, especially, you know, you either love me or you don't, it's no big deal. No harm, no foul. Go find somebody you like. And, you know, you just attract the right people in your life that sit there and say, Hey, Chris, get that book done. Come on, Chris, you got to do this. And they want you to succeed. And they want to be honest and truthful with you because they love you. They don't, they don't care about ulterior means. So that's what it is for me. What do you think it is for you and your perspective? The people that have them that are held back, I feel like they just haven't seen what the success can look like because they just haven't been around it. And I think after a decent amount of influence, like once, once you start to get around the circles of people, that are doing the things that you want to do and they've 
they're going to places that you say you want to go that you think maybe that's that's that'd be a great career for me or you see the people break free from careers kind of like I did you start to see that it's possible and mm-hmm. i think that those self-limiting beliefs come from i guess a lack of exposure because if you don't know you can fly then you're never going to really try to take off yourself so I see that more often than not. I see a lot of people who haven't had great influences in their life or they'll look at the people like Tony Robbins and they'll look at the people who are on these huge stages who have amazing stories, but think like that's like winning, winning the lottery, you know, Oh, this, this guy would just happen to be lucky. He came from a tough road and now he's a mega successful superstar. It's like, no, well, yeah, maybe he's the top of his game. Maybe he's someone who's sort of an anomaly, like a Tom Brady of the self-development world. Right. Right. But there's there's other greats that come up too. There's other people who are going to come up behind them. Those people, what they all have in common is that they put in the work. You're not mm-hmm. going to get there. You're not going to just buy a lottery ticket of life and end up in that awesome place. It's not just going to happen to get dropped on your lap. You're not going to stumble across somebody who's going to do all the work for you and hand you all the credit that they did the work for. Mm-hmm. You have to do it yourself. And I find that that's the other part that holds most people back. Not only do some people don't know they, they can get there, but then other people find out how much work it takes to get there. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be hard. Chris, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Well, guess what? But it's going to be fucking worth it. You know, yeah. I've been telling people lately, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at me for coaching and everything. And I tell them what it is. And they're like, let me just put it to you this way. You're going to pay now, i.e., uh, an investment or later you're going to pay, i.e. regret. So yeah. you tell me what, what, what's more important to you investing right now, selling your big screen TV and maybe getting a, a 20 inch TV and doing some other shit. Or, you know, do you want to try to do it on your own for the next 15 years? Like you have been and see where it gets you. I mean, the top five regrets of the dying, it's an amazing book. And in that, the number one regret is that of all these people that were dying and telling this hospice nurse, the biggest regret is they didn't live the life they wanted to live. They lived the life they thought they were supposed to live. And for me, I've talked to people personally in, in skilled nursing facilities when both my grandmother and my mother were in those places. And I asked the people point blank, if you could do your life over again, what would you do? And every single one of them, before I read that book said that I would go back and take more chances. I would go back. I wouldn't worry about all the, what all these people were thinking. They're dead now. And I'm sitting here staring at my knuckles going, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. You know, Steve Harvey, I want to share this with your, with your listeners. Have you ever heard Steve Harvey's jump video? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so if you guys out there in Northland have not ever seen it or heard it, it's Steve Harvey, the comedian, the talk show host. Um, it's a, it's a video called jump. It's less than two minutes. And for me, when my coach gave that back to me in 2019, when I was doing corporate and everything else, and I was like, I'd been coaching for 20 years. I've been speaking. I had a perfect setup. I was when I, when I term now comfortably miserable. And she said, go watch this, go watch in less than two minutes. I was like, wow. And for you guys at home, I mean, essentially it was like, you know, everybody's looking at your, the comparison is the enemy of success, right? So you're like, oh, those, those people are doing this. Those people are doing this. They're flying. They're doing this. They're living their life. And you're standing there on the edge going, I want to do that too. I want to do that too. And he says, the biggest difference is the fact is that they jumped. And he says, listen, ladies and gentlemen, when you jump, your parachute's not going to open. You're going to scrape your back up. You're going to get beat up. You're going you're gonna to be looking around going, what the hell is going on? He goes, but yeah, I guarantee you, your parachute will open. He goes, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, he looks in the camera. He goes, you don't jump. Your parachute will never open. And I just remember seeing that like, fuck, I've never jumped. I've had my foot out. I've kind of puffed up the air parachute a little bit, but I've never, and I just fucking just took back and I ran. I left six figures. I left everything. And I was like, jump. And there's every once in a while, I'm like, trying to pull that parachute. Like what the fuck's going on? But I'm enjoying the ride because I mean, now to pl- I'm at a point in my life, honestly, Heath, and I want to share this with your listeners. When we look back 
about this before camera, the fact that when I ask people, when did you learn the most? When did you really grow and learn the most? Was it when things were easy or when things were challenging? And they're like, well, I guess when things were challenging, I'm like, okay. So think about a challenge that you would never want to repeat again, but what you learned from that helped you multiple times in your life since. Oh yeah. I'm like, okay. So that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So challenge good. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. So go make more challenges. So if you learn from your mistakes, go make more mistakes, go live life, go experience things. If you've got people in your, in your posse saying, that's stupid. You shouldn't do that. That's ridiculous. You'll, you'll never be a podcaster. You'll never be this. Then you need to get new people. And for me, honestly, when I started surrounding myself with new people, when I made the investment to join a mastermind and get my coach, that's when things really, really shifted for me. But yeah, some people just live in that state of complacency, hoping, wishing, and praying. And that's just an absolute waste of time. And the one thing you don't, I mean, yeah, money costs, you know, you're going to make money. There's a million ways to make money. And there's a, you know, once you get it flowing to you, it comes in that regret costs something that you can't buy. And that's your time, you know, and mm-hmm. time is just time doesn't exist, but it's the most valuable commodity there is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, a truly catch, is. it's a catch 22. But the thing is, is that you waste it. And that's something you're just never going to get back. And that's, that's, uh, you know, the, the, um, the book you talked about of, um, the five regrets of the dying. Was that it? Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't, I haven't read that one yet. I've, I think I've heard of it, but I've also, I've heard people talk about things on their deathbed. You know um, I've had, I've had people who I've actually saved from a railing before jumping who told me that while they were there, they were just, they were more grave, like eternally grateful to have been talked down because the regret that they felt just being there like oh my god what have i almost done the pause and the reflection and it's just that you, you hear stories like that and you just you hear about like well, how people live in these states of regret because something goes by but i think one of the biggest things people can understand is that taking action literally when you realize you have some regret if you still have life in your lungs mm-hmm. you got breath in your lungs you got life in your body the regret doesn't have to be so profound. Like, yes, mm-hmm. you can, you can regret that you haven't done it sooner, but I don't care if you're 17 or 70, you can take some action today that will add something to your life. Something that is going to make up for maybe something you felt regretful for. You didn't spend enough time with your family. Well, pick up the phone, start doing it right now. Like whatever mm-hmm. it was, as long as you start today, at least you got started. You know, you talk about the jump thing. And I didn't exactly walk to the edge of the cliff and jump. You know, I didn't have a profound thing. I'm there with a parachute on and I jumped. I took one step up off the ground on the very first step of the stairs and just took a bunny hop off, you know, like, and then (laughs) went up, went up to the fifth step and jumped from there, you know, and eventually it took, it took a while to, to get there. But I mean, you just, sometimes you have to take those little steps as well instead of the huge leap, the huge leap. It can be very scary, but can also be fatal because, you don't have a parachute on, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the jump is great, but you got to make sure you got a working parachute before you do it. So the practice leading up to it, some people take a little bit longer to take that huge leap, but mm-hmm. the little incremental steps is what gets people there. The, self, interest. the self-limiting stuff is people saying, I'm never going to fly. My parachute won't open. If I do take that jump, like that's, that's where you got to draw the line. If, if that's yeah. you, you got to do a gut check. You got to go to somebody like Christopher Roush. You got to go to somebody like <laughs> Christopher Roush and have him help you get over your self-limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. You got to see it. You got to believe it. That's why my wristband says right here. It says, believe. You got to believe it. 
You know, you got to see it. You got to believe it. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to also, you got to self. I mean, one of the things I've seen, he really at the core, I'm I'm a coach that really wants to get to the root of situations. A lot of coaches will deal with the symptom of situation. Like when we go see the doctor, we were talking about that. They want to treat the symptom. They really don't necessarily want to treat the root cause because as a symptom, they have a repeat customer. That's a problem with the personal development industry these days. Like, oh, I'm just going to keep you coming and coming and coming. My goal is to get to the root cause of the situation. And it's really about identifying it is for you that is, you know, really holding you back. And a lot of that stuff goes from back from when the conditioning process, when we're kids, right? From zero to five, what were the things that were told to us? You know, stop being selfish. You need to give more, share your toys, you know, do what you're told, you know, you better make sure I'm happy. All these different things that go into our brain. And then subsequently in life, do we really pay attention to, to self-love? And so in these coaching calls that I've done over the last couple of years for COVID, I've asked people point blank. I want you to answer this question as fast as you can. Do you love yourself? Yes or no? And I've done hundreds of these. And I was shocked, Heath, at how many people went, that's a good question. Oh, shit. Well, I think for the most part, you know, oh, yeah, but there's this. And people struggled with that. And I'm like, you know, if you don't love yourself, that's where you got to start. And if you don't love yourself, you need to go back and identify what truths you have made about yourself that were based on opinions or perspectives of your caretakers. Yes. When those guys were just as fucked up as we were, they came from a different generation. They I mean, we were just talking about last night here. When you think about your grandparents growing up through uh, the Great Depression and everything else, and they taught their parents, which, you know, it all comes down the line. If you don't break that pattern, then you're going to be a victim of that same type of thinking and that mentality. And you'll just go around being all pissed off. And I think that's what's going on in the world today is you got a lot of people who don't love themselves that are hurt, that are they're trying to pay it back to the man. I'm going to give it to the man, whatever. They're thinking about their teacher, man, and then I'll get mine. You know, it's ridiculous. You just got to do the work with inside yourself and love yourself and then take progressive action each and every day to fulfill the legacy that you want to leave. And, and then during that time, ask yourself, is this getting me closer to or further from my stated goal? If you're honest with yourself and you change what it is that you're doing, if it's not, then you're going to be successful there. I'm your coach. I mean, it's, but so many people go, there it is. Hmm? Oh, but I got to watch Netflix, but I got to do this. I have to do this. I'm like, you don't have to do shit. If you die tomorrow, who's going to do the fucking laundry? You know, yeah. I've had so many people do that. So I give an exercise to my, to my clients is just write down what you're tolerating. You know, we sit there and we think about what we tolerate. And I give this exercise every single time. I give it to what are you tolerating from other people? What are you tolerating from yourself? And what are you tolerating from objects? Like, you know, the door always sticks and the washer doesn't work and this, that, and the other thing. And the first week they come back with about 10 or 15 things for each. And I'm like, really think about it. Inevitably, come people come back with a bunch more stuff. And their first thing is like, wow, I didn't realize how much shit I was putting up with. I'm like, now consider this. I want you to envision this. If you had a third less of those, what would you feel like? How would you, how would the, your thinking process be? How much more time would you have? You know, and they were like, oh my God, I would be like this and that. I'm like, okay, so what's stopping you? The perception of what other people are going to judge you on? You're standing up for yourself. They sit there and say, no, look, you fuck off. Next, this is what I'm going to do. Yes or no. If you're, I'm, I'm not going to do your fucking laundry anymore. You can wear dirty shit to work. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to make your lunch anymore. But you have to. No, I don't. There's the cabinet. There's the sandwich bags. Go fucking do it. Yes. And I've taught people how to do that and own it. And they're like, and they're so scared. And they find out, they go and ask these people like, okay. And they've been living this fear for fucking 10 years. Like, oh, they're going to get mad if I don't do their laundry. You know, just tell them you want to grow and you want to do that. And, and a lot of people come back and like, yeah, it was no big deal. I'm like, yeah. just imagine if you'd done that 10 years, 10 years sooner. There's, there's so much that people put into making excuses. They'll make more excuses of why they can't do something versus, you know, the, they'll, they'll put more energy into why they can't do something versus the energy and trying to find a way around that obstacle. They'll just sit there and point out the obstacle instead. 
they'll yeah. spend more energy and time pointing out that obstacle. What, what is it? What is the catalyst to shedding people, helping people shed making excuses? Because I feel like making excuses is almost giving people permission. It allows them to give themselves permission to fail. How do you get people out of them making excuses mindset? Mm. Coming from the no excuses coach. (laughs) How much time do you have? Um, Honestly, for me, if I had to narrow it down, it's really about, you know, when you have a big enough, why you have a big enough, how, and for those who have never seen it or listened to it, Simon, Simon Sinek talks about, you know, why it's a great book. It's a great talk on, on uh, YouTube. You can check it out. But ultimately for me, it's like, when you have a big enough, why you have a big enough, how, and ultimately it's leverage. So I'll ask people like, how do you, how do you foresee if you continue doing the same things you're doing right now, how do you foresee the next 10 years going? How do you foresee yourself? So I associate pain with staying the same. And then I inspire them with the opportunity of thinking, okay, when you change the language that you use when you're on yourself, like you wouldn't talk to your best friend or your mom or something like that. So I go through these exercises and I get them to see that. I'm like, so if you start talking better to yourself, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get better results. And you start asking better questions of yourself, you're going to get better answers. And so I encourage them to sit there and say, and really identify what their excuses are. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't know how. That's all resources. So now you have to just decide how resourceful you're going to be for what it is that you want. And some people honestly want things that they really don't, they think they want things that they really don't want. Because when I'll ask them, like, what are your values? Like, oh, I don't, I, you know, that's a good question. I'm like, well, sit down and write out your values, write them out on paper and say, this is what I value the most. And then ask yourself again, that question, am I being congruent with my values right now? And if you're not, then you need to shift gears. So once you're congruent with that, and once you decide what legacy you want to leave, then it's just a matter of of being in congruence with yourself in those actions that you take to sit there and say, am I being resourceful? There's, there's so much that people put into making excuses. They'll make more excuses of why they can't do something versus, you know, the, They'll, they'll put more energy into why they can't do something versus the energy and trying to find a way around that obstacle. They'll just sit there and point out the obstacle. Instead, they'll yeah. spend more energy and time pointing out that obstacle. What, what is it? What is the catalyst to shedding people, helping people shed making excuses? Because I feel like making excuses is almost giving people permission. It allows them to give themselves permission to fail. How do you get people out of them making excuses mindset Mm. coming from the no excuses coach? (laughs) How much time do you have? Um, Honestly, for me, if I had to narrow it down, it's really about, you know, when you have a big enough, why you have a big enough, how, and for those who have never seen it or listened to it, Simon, Simon Sinek talks about, you know, why it's a great book. It's a great talk on, on uh, YouTube. You can check it out. But ultimately for me, it's like, when you have a big enough, why you have a big enough, how, and ultimately it's leverage. So I'll ask people like, how do you, how do you foresee if you continue doing the same things you're doing right now, how do you foresee the next 10 years going? How do you foresee yourself? So I associate pain with staying the same. And then I inspire them with the opportunity of thinking, okay, when you change the language that you use when you're on yourself, like you wouldn't talk to your best friend or your mom or something like that. So I go through these exercises and I get them to see that. I'm like, so if you start talking better to yourself, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get better results. And you start asking better questions of yourself, you're going to get better answers. And so I encourage them to sit there and say, and really identify what their excuses are. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't know how. That's all resources. So now you have to just decide how resourceful you're going to be for what it is that you want. And some people honestly want things that they really don't, they think they want things that they really don't want. Because when I'll ask them, like, what are your values? Like, oh, I don't, I, you know, that's a good question. I'm like, well, sit down and write out your values, write them out on paper and say, this is what I value the most. 
And then ask yourself again, that question, am I being congruent with my values right now? And if you're not, then you need to shift gears. So once you're congruent with that, and once you decide what legacy you want to leave, then it's just a matter of, of being in congruence with yourself in those actions that you take to sit there and say, am I being resourceful? And the biggest thing I've told people is this is the thing that I went through about six years ago. I came home from work and I was like, I did the best I could. I was putting my keys and my wallet up on the dresser. And I said, so I was talking to myself and I said, well, I did the best I could. And I went, there was an inner voice that went bullshit. It was like a whisper. And I went, huh? And I'm like, what is my best? Oh, guess what happens when you're kids? Chris, did you do the best you could? Uh-huh. Okay. Do better next time. We never identify what our best is. We never identify what technically better is. That's just their training language for us to, to not disappoint them next. So now we put the pressure on ourselves. Okay. I got to do, what is that? And then if we don't do best, then we don't want to do anything at all because we don't want to be judged for failing. So we want to sit there and stay in everybody's perfect grace, the teachers and everybody else. So we just limit ourselves and we just, we just silence our inner voice. So ultimately it's got to be about having that, having that wherewithal to call bullshit on yourself. It's like, you know what? I'm not a morning person. Well, fuck off. Are you, are you a dead person? You know, I really, I really don't have time. I'm like, do you have time to take 20 medications five years from now because you have diabetes and then 10 years from now, lose your leg. Are you going to look back and be happy with the choices you're making right now? Yes or no. And I've talked to tons and tons and tons of people. I got a friend of mine right now. He used to be in way better shape than me. He's literally on 19 or 20 different pills a day. He actually can't exercise right now. He's fucked. And he's two years older than I am. And I'm just like, poor choices, poor choices. Never going to happen to me. Never going to happen to me. Boom. I've got friends getting diabetes. I got, and they're like, man, all I, I wish I could go back and just take care of myself. So for, for your listeners and everything, that's where it starts. Self-love, self-care, hydration, You know, drink half your body weight in ounces of water a day, get some decent sleep, get a sleep tracker, find out, make sure you're getting good sleep, um, You know, eat decent, get some exercise, get some sun every day, get around the right people, hold yourself accountable. Boom. That all starts to fulfill itself and it starts to create momentum and excitement and enthusiasm. And you start attracting the right people in your life. You start attracting right opportunities in your life. You get more comfortable being uncomfortable and you you expand and you just you just you just keep growing. It's addictive. It's a recipe that doesn't fail. No. It is. It's it's if you talk to anybody who is in these kind of circles who's been down these roads, they'll literally listen to something like this. That's the catalyst for them. They start taking those steps and then eventually it snowballs into something and then they look back 3 or 5 years later mm-hmm. and they'll say, "Yeah, I did exactly those things and now here I am in the place where I'm happy with, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, but it's also amazing that this is so readily available. Stuff like this is out there. It's easy to find people who are willing to help and everything else. And yet people don't do it. But like you said, with the health, it's more expensive. The people say like, Oh, it costs money to go to a gym. You know, it costs (laughs) money for a personal trainer. It costs money for this. It costs money for that. You know, I don't have time. I don't have time, but it's, it costs so much more to be unhealthy. Like my mm-hmm. grocery bill is massive. Like we spend so much and I actually eat the most, I eat like a bird, you know, like I, I eat just like simple proteins and simple vegetables and stuff like that, but all of it's expensive. But you know what? Right. Like we talked before we hit record on the microphone here. I am 12 years post-cancer and there's a reason for that. There's a reason why I had it twice within three years. And then over a decade later, here I am and have taken a completely natural, holistic route. And 41 years old, I'm pretty happy every time I bump into somebody from high school. And I, <laughs> I'm not going to like stay on my mountain and be like, I look awesome. But like, I, nice. I just see some of these guys that I went to high school with. And I'm like, like I'm not, I'm not feeling so bad, <laughs> you know, but I put in a lot of work. It doesn't just come like you yeah. have 
you have to do exactly what you said, like alcohol and, and alcohol is a poison, you know, like you can have it in your small little bits and have a little fun and stuff. But I mean, you can tell the people who hit it hard. It's one of the most detrimental things to people's health and they just don't realize it, it is an absolute oh, yeah. poison for their body. And then all, so many of the other things that we do on a regular basis, there's so many different poisons in our food. There's so much stuff that should not be allowed for the human beings to consume when it comes to just the tap water that you drink. Like people- Deodorant, just, toothpaste. I was yeah. shocked at all that shit. I'm like, toothpaste has bad things. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I gotta buy the I gotta buy the hippie Uncle Joe's, whatever it is. You know, it's got nothing in it, no fluoride, no nothing. Like it, it it's the road that you have to go to. And the thing is, a lot of people, I think they know that deep down inside, but they almost don't want to know it because it shakes up their reality so much that it 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 almost does cause like a physical sickness. Cognitive dissonance is mm-hmm. is what that's called. And people just I've seen it, especially lately. There's a lot of a lot of ways people feel about something, whether it's politics, whether it's a virus, whether it's anything like you know, people will stand so hard on one side of something that if it disrupts that belief, whether it's good for them or not, they just don't want to accept it because of what that causes. It shakes up too much, and it's mm-hmm. easier to say no, that's not for me, than it is to accept it and go through a little bit of that pain and growth. You know, it's yeah. it's it's an unfortunate reality that we live in but when people do actually shake that up it's uncomfortable for a little bit but what's on the other side of all that stuff is just everything we've been talking about today yep it's all it's all worth it i I tell people like you never had somebody sit there and say oh my god heath you got to check out this view when you come out to california we're gonna go up to big bear it's gonna be a little bit of a hike but man the view you can see the santa monica you could be like oh fuck yeah yeah yeah. okay so so we're gonna hike all right so yeah i might get a little banged up but once i get up there i'm so excited to see the view then I'm like, we get up to the view and I'm like, Heath, oh my God, there's another one up there. It's a little bit more steep, but dude, you could really see Catalina from up there. You want, you, yeah, we get banged up. We get up there, we get up there. Oh my God, it's worth it. It's always going to be a challenge. It's always going to be hard depending on what your perspective is. But if you're excited about the journey and you know that you're going to get through the other side. And for me, I know that every challenge that I face when I go through it, even still to this day, I'm not perfect. I don't want anybody listening to this or watching this to think that, oh my God, I figured out I have my dark days. I have my dark moments. I go down the rabbit hole. But I know faster and faster how to pull my ass out of my out of that situation and be able yes. to just go to a state of gratitude. Just go meditate. Just go outside for a ten minute walk. I haven't. Oh, I haven't been outside all day. Okay, I need ten minute walk to go out there and listen to some uplifting music or whatever. But you know, it's just it's sad that the fact that people live in that comfortably miserable state um, just enough. You know, and I'm like, did you? When did you? When did you say it was acceptable to be me- mediocre? When I ask people that, they're like, I'm not mediocre. I'm like. What have you changed and grown grown through in the last five years? Yeah, prove it that you're. How not many here. how many different stations do you subscribe to? On do you have Netflix? Do you have HBO? Do you? Oh, I've got. I've asked people like, so tell me, you know, what kind of shows are you into? And you know, I just get them all talking like, oh my god, I'm into this and I'm into this. And I'm like, I said, do you have Hulu? Do you have Hulu? Do you have this? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how much time do you spend like actually reading a book? And they just look at me like, you like, uh, <laughs> fucker, you, you <laughs> dick, you just, you know. I tell people like that. Let me see your let me see your phone. I'll, I'll tell if I see people in front and like, oh yeah, I did. I'm like, let me see your screen time for last week. Oh, you were on there for 23 hours. I'm like, tell me about 23 hours you spent talking to somebody. Tell me about 23 hours you spent journaling and meditating. And I'm not saying people don't need time to relax and kick down. I mean, my Sundays now, I used to never stop and relax, but my Sundays now I kick it on the couch or we just go do stuff. I just give myself permission just to do fucking nothing yeah, where yeah. I was always go, 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 go. And now I just, now I just know that whatever challenge comes in my life, just like every other challenge that I, you know, God forbid what's going to happen next as I get older, but I know whatever it is, I'm going to learn through it. I'm going to get through it. And then I'm going to be able to teach other people how to get through that. And for me, that's the best feeling to know, you know, especially for, for the situations that I went through, 
one of the greatest moments in my life, Heath, and I can't remember if I told you this or not, was I was out, out having uh, drinks with a buddy of mine. Funny enough, we're at a Hooters you know, where this conversation, ta- this life-changing conversation takes place. And we were talking about life and whatnot. And I was already successful and everything. I was in my early 30s, I think. And uh, I said, you know, one thing I would love to do is I would love to go back to the school I dropped out of and go talk to those seventh and eighth graders. And he's like, and here's a Southern Californian. And this is crazy. And he goes, what school did you go to? And I said, oh, I went to Brookhurst Junior High in Anaheim. He's like, he looks at me, he goes, no way. And I said, why? I said, you know, I'm Brookhurst Spartans. He goes, yeah, my wife's a PE coach there. And I said, the one on, on Brookhurst and, and Crescent? And he's like, yeah, yeah, Brookhurst Spartans. Yeah, totally. And he's like, I can talk to my wife. She knows the principal. No I'm way. like, no way. This is no way. Two days later, he sends me an email. He says, here's the principal's name. They would love to have you. They're going to contact the Anaheim Bulletin, the local newspaper. You know, Anaheim City Boy goes crazy, goes all this stuff, and then comes back and, and does this. The Anaheim Bulletin didn't get there in time for it. But I had a videographer, videographer come in and, and spot me. So it's a video on my YouTube page. But one of the greatest experiences of my life to be able to sit there and tell these little kids. And I was surprised how little they were. I thought of myself when I was at that age being homeless, I was a man. And I was like, are these fucking fifth graders? You know, what, 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 would you guys swap me out? I'm like, no, these are 13 years old, 14 years old. I'm like, that was a shock. But to, to know that I could sit there and tell these kids, you guys are going to, some of you guys are going to go through, through a lot of stuff. I said, but you're going to get through it. And I said, my goal for you guys is that when you're my age, you're back here speaking to these kids and you'll be able to pay it forward because I've done all. And I told them all the different things. And afterwards, these kids one by one came up to me. I, I'm in Olive Crest, which is a place I mentor at-risk kids. They're in foster care system. Oh, I'm homeless right now. My mom's a drug addict and I'm living with my grandmother. Or you know, we live in a van or I live in a garage or kid after kid after kid. And I was like, that's why I went through all that stuff. So if we have the per- perspective of that we get to go through life, life is happening for us and not to us. You know, years ago, I would have said, fuck that. That doesn't sound right. But now I sit there and I look back. I'm like, if everything did happen for me and I'm the person I am today and, and I have so much love and so much gratitude for everything, then yeah, it did happen for me. Right. And to, the thing is, though, to, to, to even talk about all of it is a vulnerable circumstance. And I think a lot of people, especially men, you know, I'm speaking from a man's point of view, but we can never be wrong. We can't be weak and we can't have all these misconceptions, you know, and all of these things that you're talking about, it takes a lot of vulnerability. It takes an amount of vulnerability to say, look at this really crappy place I came from. Look how really crappy I had some people treat me. But on the backside of that, it's a superpower. You know, like you talk about um, everything that you've mentioned in this episode, where you've you've come from and the, the negatives that you've observed in yourself and everything, that takes a serious amount of vulnerability. And I know it's even something like you're kind of reaching out on too, and you're, you got your new TikTok page that you've reached out there with being vulnerable, but it's, it, it is, it is a, My belly. it's a, <laughs> it's, it is, it is something that a lot of people don't do enough of but what people don't realize is the vulnerability that you can express and show people, it gives them hope. It makes you, makes them realize that what they see on Instagram, what they see out there, put on social media. Cause obviously we're trying to put the best of us out there. I've, I've expressed myself a lot more lately, even on the show, like telling people that I've, I've had down days. I've had a lot of them lately just because life's been so hectic and I haven't had the chance to be all, you know, Zen and come together and, you know, figure out like what's next and have this powerful stance. Like I'm kind of like tiptoeing, wobbling on a tightrope sometimes. And that can lead to a whole host of stuff that can lead to, if you've had mental issues in the past, anxiety and depression and everything, it can kind of lead you in a slippery slope because, you know, life can get the better of you and you end up in a place where you're not in control. And yeah. where were you when you experienced some of your most traumatic 
issues where maybe it led to PTSD or whatever it was, you weren't in control in those instances either. And people just need to realize that sometimes you won't be in control. Sometimes you're going to have a backslide and feel a certain way. I do, you do, even though it looks like we have our shit together. Sometimes we just don't. Mm -hmm. And And that's that's okay. That's good. That's okay. You know, exactly. (laughs) Part of life. It's part of it, but yeah. I mean, I have days where I'm like, I'm glad people can't hear what's going on in my head. And even in my head, I'll be like, I know I'm going to get through this too. I'm like, and I'll ask myself, what am I supposed to learn from this? So I'll ask myself constantly questions. What am I supposed to learn from this? What's at the root of where this is coming from? What am I making this to mean about me is another powerful question. It's like, if I get my ass hurt from something like I see a post or all the, what am I, why am I making that? What am I making that to mean about me? And it's like, "Mm, could it be this? Could it be that? Could it be this? And then you let it go. Or you actually ask the person. I've done a lot of that lately. Like seek first to understand, then to be understood. Stephen Covey. It's been one of the greatest lessons of my life. You know, if you have a trouble, you have trouble with uh, with something, talk about it. So many people will tell me their shit, and I'm like, "Have you ever told the person?" No. I'm like, "How's that working for you?" Well, I'm afraid they're going to do this and they're going to do this. I'm like, okay, well, well, visualize in advance of what it is that you potentially think that they're going to do. See yourself responding, not reacting, responding calmly, and either determining that situation that maybe it's not a good time to talk. And not escalate the situation anymore and say, hey, listen, I can see this is bothering you. I want to come back at a time where we're both calm. So why don't you consider whatever it is I've told you already, and then we'll just come back to it. Um, But so many people sit there and want to be right. And one of the things that I teach and I've saw from my mom is like, you can be right or you can be happy. And my mom always had to be right, which meant somebody wasn't going to be happy. And I'm like, did you really want to die on your sword for that? Really? Is that what that, that was so important. So I've sat there and been in many conversations and many situations online. We've talked about it where I could easily spank somebody and be like, and I'm like, what is that going to do? That's just going to put them in a de- defensive spot. They're going to come at me with something. It's going to get ugly and it's going to, it's going to be all for naught. So now I just sit there and I just, and if I see something or I, if I, if I take something, I ask the person like point blank, is there something I just did it with somebody, somebody we both know a couple of weeks ago. I reach out. I'm like, Hey, is everything okay? I'm like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No problem. I'm like, okay, cool. I just want to make sure I said, I was kind of feeling this and kind of seeing this, but Hey, if we're all good, as long as you're being honest, I don't want you to be afraid to be honest right now. And still some shit being going on because I'm going to, I'm going to let this go right now. So if there is something going on, I want to hear it because I'm one of those crazy fuckers that wants to know the truth. I don't want you to talk behind my back or think this or assume that because once you clear that shit out, then everybody can move on. But so yeah. many people are sitting there. I expect this. We were just talking about it in the group and the group. Uh, I can't remember which group it was this week. We were talking about expectations. Like, yes. did you communicate that to somebody? No. Are they realistic? I don't know. Well, yeah. Just be honest with yourself. Tell the truth. Seek advice. Be ready to be hurt and then be ready to get over it. Yep. I think what Ooh. helps, what can help people understand and get over it so much is it's almost a spiritual and philosophical standpoint to have is that everybody you're looking at is, you know, if we go all the way down to some deep stuff about consciousness and source, because you talked about that a little bit, and I want to dive into that for a minute. But, yeah. you know, you, you look at consciousness and source, and, you know, almost every philosophy goes back to a oneness standpoint that we all come from something that is all interconnected. Yeah. And the one thing that's really helped me in the last year or two is that when you see these people, it's very hard in the moment. I'll preface that with it's very hard in some of these really difficult moments when you're heat of the moment with a disagreement with somebody you look at their standpoint, but you look at them like they are literally the face of God, creator, source, whatever you have for a pronoun on it. Right. If you look at them in that sense, like they are an extension of you. It's some, you know, you draw it all the way back. It's, it's hard to be mad at people for that. You know, like they're, they're there to maybe teach you something. And that's, that's something else too, that I want to talk about with, um, you know, the experiences that you had with your mother and your sister and everything else. And some of the difficult people that you've had in your life that brought you to the ultimate place you're at. 
those maybe I've heard the philosophy that maybe those are agreements we have before we come here. You know, you're on the other side and you're like, Hey, I need you to have like 18 cats in a car when I'm a kid and literally not get rid of them. And it causes us to go through all this pain because I need to learn how to be this rock solid, strong adult who is yes. then going to go out there in the world and teach other people how to do it. I'm going to spread like a good virus. So will you do that for me? Yeah, sure. And then when this rides over, you're back on the other side, like, Hey, did I do a good enough job? Like, Oh yeah, you, you did a number. <laughs> Academy award goes to, yeah. that's right. You know, but that's how we see people. And I've, I know that's helped me quite a bit. Um, What were, what were some of your philosophies that you said people were going to be surprised when they learned them about you, but like, what were some of your philosophies that changed when it came to look at looking at a spiritual perspective on your life? Mm, That's a really great question. Heath. I would have to say for me, part of it started with my mom and really trying to understand where she was coming from that whole seek first to understand because I had different opinions and judgments about what she could have done differently. Definitely. I mean, we won $5,000 in the lottery. I'm like, we can go get an apartment now, you know, we could do something with the cat, you know, it was just never that, that situation. So I think for me, when I sat there and I said, okay, and this has really helped me in the last couple of years, especially with all the different stuff going on in the world is if I went through that person's experiences, if I went through their childhood, if I went through all the different experiences they had with their caretakers, their religious beliefs, whatever was pumped into their brain, whatever experiences they had, might I be just like them? And I've used this on a lot of people and you can't, of course you would be like them. So that doesn't make them wrong. It just makes us unique and different. And the fact that we need that in our lives to be able to have different conversations, to be able to learn and grow and expand, not be all hurt and everything else. So we respect the fact that, hey, you've been on a journey. Tell me about that journey. Tell me about some of the stuff you've learned about. I've made opinions and judgments about people that when I've asked them that question, I'm like, what what have you been through that's that's resulted in this, this person that I'm talking to today? Well, I was raised in a cult and, you know, then, and then, you know, we had to go to church every day. And if you didn't do what the Bible said and, and all this stuff, and you start going, that explains it. And that, and they're, and then they'll, they'll honestly admit, I'm still fucked up about it. You know, I want to believe in Jesus, but then there's this hypocrisy about it and da, da, da. And then you just figure out, they're just trying to figure it out themselves. Right. They're just trying to figure it out themselves. They're just trying to find people to fit in with. So for me, it's really meeting them where they're at in their journey. But I think also the biggest thing to answer your question more specifically is I realize that you can operate from two different lenses in life. You can operate from the lens of love, or you can operate from the lens of fear. You can't be in both places at the same time. And if you're operating in that lens of fear, that scarcity, you know what can happen? I've got a plan. I've got to be prepared. I, I have to have certainty. I have to have safety. I have to be comfortable. You know, I have to know what's going to happen because of, of, of previous things in my life that I wasn't in control of. So as long as I'm in control, I'm happy. And that's the way I used to be. And so now for me, seeing things from a lens of love, like I can love different people. I can love people with different opinions and, and aspects. I don't have to like them necessarily, but I know that we do come from that same source. And if I sit there and I hold compassion for them, even if we disagree, then I know that I'm living my purpose to a higher degree to be able to see them where, for where they're at. And like you said, it's not easy. The, the initial thoughts that run through my head, I could get arrested for, you know, people would think I'm all sorts of different things, but then I just pause and I'm like, okay, what can I do to meet them halfway? And I, I just recently went through this with somebody on Facebook. They posted some stupid stuff about Saget, Bob Saget and all this defamatory stuff and accusatory stuff and assumption stuff. And I reached out to him and I talked to him. I said, listen, here's what it's going to be. I said, I don't understand. If I don't understand where it is that you're coming from, you keep posting this stuff. I'm going to have to unfriend you because I'm trying to understand you, but you're not doing anything conducive to make the world a better place. You're not, all you're doing is trying to stoke the fire and show, oh, see, COVID's bad because these guys, Betty White just died of it. Betty White's fucking 99 years old. Why are you spreading that shit? 
And ultimately he just, he was that kind of, kind of crazy. So I sat there and I, I felt good. I'm like, okay, dude, I wish you well. I hope you have a great life, but yeah, no, no, not for me anymore. So I believe in, in being able to have that love and compassion, but at the same time, having boundaries to be able to sit there and say what it is that you're going to tolerate and put up with beyond that threshold of saying, okay, I'm going to really try to understand and accept, but once it's beyond that point, I have to wish you well. And I don't think a lot of people do that. Not enough. The boundaries, I think, are one of the most important things people can set. I've had to do that with quite a few people in my life, and it's been a much more peaceful way of doing it. There is definitely a sense of guilt that does come from that, though. Um, But I think when you realize that the types of relationships that can motivate you to get there, when you realize that they're unhealthy, most of the time, they're really not going to change. You know, I've given, you really can't say you can't teach an old dog new tricks because some of the, some of the people that I've distanced myself from, I have called those people, the types of people who will never change. And lo and behold, I've started to see some of those people change. And I think I, I, maybe I'm a little bit vain, but I, I know that they have followed me, even though they've criticized and they followed what I've done. And then I bump into them and I'll get little nudges that they have been following along. And you'll notice some of their, their concepts on things have changed, whether or not that means I'll accept people back into my life. That's, that's a whole different story, but setting the boundaries just in the beginning to where they got to keep them at an arm's length, a 10 foot pole or across the country, like whatever it is. But sometimes no matter who they are, you just have to set those specific boundaries, even in the workplace, you know, you got a boss that's treating you a certain way. And it's like, you know what, if it leads to your termination, because you're not going to let them walk all over you, you know what, you'll find another job somewhere. Absolutely. What you won't find is your self-respect. If you keep on letting people walk all over you. So self-love, self-respect, take take that one away. You got to know your values and you know, your values. I mean, I don't mind people disagreeing. I don't mind people posting shit as long as it's factual, whatever. It makes the world go around. But when you start right. getting stupid about it, then I'm not going to know. But I know people that, that right now and I, and I, and I, and I see people supporting it and I want to support it, but people are like, well, if it, if it, if it upsets me, then I'm not, I don't want to see it. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, if it upsets you, you should ask within yourself why it upsets you and, and perhaps have that conversation. But so many people are like, I'm just going to run to the people that agree with me. There are the silos yeah. and all that. And that drives me crazy. Yeah. Because I know some really smart people and they're just like, nope, I'm not going to have, I've invited people. I'm like, I've wanted to do on the Ron and Scripted show. I'm like, we really don't do politics and stuff like that. But I've offered like two different people that are opposing opinions. I'm like, let's come on my show. As long as we keep it respectful, I'd love to mediate that. And I'd love to have you both, not necessarily you could change your opinions, but at least have some empathy and understanding that ultimately we all want the same thing. When you look at what everybody, whatever argument is going on, usually we all want the same thing. It's just the method by which that we go about it. That's right. That's wrong. It's like, who fucking cares how we go about it as long as we get to the end result and work as a team doing that. So that's what I want to see more people doing. I don't want to see people running away to their silos. And I saw a really good friend of mine. She just posted, oh, I moved to Florida. I'm so glad everybody here thinks and acts like me. I'm like, great. Okay, cool. I mean, if that's what you're seeking, then I don't know. It's not for me. I mean, I I think that's that's part of a deeper rooted issue, but I don't know. I might be a little bit different. Some people, some people can't handle taking the red pill, you know, you got the red, you got the red pill and the blue pill, you know, Uh some people just can't handle what sometimes the red pill provides. And you also can't force people to take it. You know, there's, there are certain truths you wish the world would learn, but honestly, did I have anybody forcing that red pill down my throat? No, you know, I see your, you got the red and blue pill behind you. You got the red and the blue on the mm-hmm. wall behind you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> have you, wait a minute. So wait a minute. We had a conversation about the matrix. Have you went and right. rewatched it yet? Have you went and yeah. rewatched the first one yet? No, I, I, I haven't watched since we talked about, it. I watched the first one. I, I think then I watched the, the, the last one, but now I understand it. 
Like when yeah. I see your, when I see, I think it was your post. It was like, okay, people are misunderstanding it. If they, about the matrix, the Mimi yeah. posted, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Now I get it because yeah. now I was, I didn't realize I thought that was the matrix, but that wasn't the matrix. This life was the matrix. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. gotcha. 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 Yeah. And so many people are just, and they're living in that, that false belief of whatever it is. You know, I think, I think once, I think what we're going through right now is a great thing as much as I don't want to say that, you know, the, the change and, and, and the shift and everything else and the uncertainty, but like anything else in life, when you look back in the history books of the different things we've gone through, you know, usually we've come back and we've united and we've learned something from it. So I yeah. hope that people really take this opportunity and, and stop. And that's one of my big missions right now is just telling people like when they post something, I'll simply reach out to them. Like, I want to know what did you want to gain or what did, what was your intention for posting that? Cause I've seen some stupid stuff on there and they're like, well, well, you know, when you mention it that way, it, it kind of makes sense. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care what you post, but it just, it's got to make sense. It's got to have some intentionality. If you're just trying to gather the baggage and, and is that really how you want to be remembered? I mean, is that, is that really what you want to do? And I've, I've said that to a few people, they've come back to me like, Chris, what you said, you know, cause I'm just a keyboard warrior. Now they're going out and picketing and they're, they're doing, I'm like, good. I literally don't agree with what, what, what position they're, they're taking with it and what they want to see, but I'm glad they're going and doing something. Yes. I'm like, fuck, go do something. Just don't bitch about it. So I don't know. Don't sit behind the, the keyboard. <laughs> Don't sit behind the keyboard. Like actually yeah. get out and do something. That's something that really bothers me so much in the world that so many people will just invest so much time into being a keyboard warrior when you can go out in your own community and change things from just, you don't have to run for presidency. You don't have to run for huge office and stuff, but you can start things on a local level, yeah. whether it's standing on a quarter and picketing and stuff. But not enough people will stand out there to, it, it takes an investment. Again, we're back to that. Where it's like an investment. vulnerability. Oh, what, somebody's going to hit me. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, there you go. Yeah. It's, uh, and I, it, that blows my mind because people sit there and bitch about they're doing this in schools and they're doing that in schools. They're teaching sex ed, you know, and for, I'm like, so what are you doing about it? Well, I wrote a letter. I'm like, well, at least that's good. I said, why don't you go get on the school board council? There you go. Oh, I don't want to deal with those people and that beer. I'm like, so if you want to have effect change, if you want to, I mean, you're a living example of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I call myself out on that shit too. I'm like, wait a minute, Chris. And that's why I stopped following the news and politics. I was like, whatever's going to be is going to be, I'll hear about it and I'm going to get through it. And I have people challenge me on that all the time, but I'm like, I know enough to know, but at the same time, I'm not going to go out there and get myself all worked up for it. Whatever's going to happen. We're going to get through it. We're going to figure it out. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus on the good things because when I go out in society, I don't see all the bullshit that I see in the news and the media and everything else. I see a lot of awesome people. I've been yeah. lots and lots of places and you can look around I, like 50% of us apparently want to kill each other, but y'all fucking good. What's up, man? Hey, what's up? I'm sorry. Hey, you know, everybody's just, everybody's just doing their thing. You know, it's that, it's that media and that other bullshit. If we sit there and allow ourselves to be conditioned by it, just go out and live your life. If it makes you happy, go do it. There you go. The division makes so many people's lives so much harder. And when you unplug from the matrix, when you unplug from all this, this crap that's out there, that is divisive politics and everything else, when you're not in anymore and you literally just absolve yourself from it, you don't walk around in society like most people are because they are in their strong polarized around one far side or the other. And I feel like the last couple of years has done nothing but just make people go further into those, mm -hmm. those, those tribes, you know, and those are warring tribes. It's not like, a, you know, our kind of a tribe where we're just kind of welcoming everybody. Like yeah. it's, it's warring tribes and it just, people have gotten so tribal and, and they walk out in society. And exactly like you said, they're amped up about it when you kind of pull out of it all. And it's just kind of like, Hey, yeah, great. Have your thing. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to do this. Have a great day. You know, yeah. do you man be you as long as it doesn't fuck with me. I'm good. Whatever you want to marry a cat, marry a cat. I don't care. 18 of them. Congratulations. If you want to. I'll send you a cat. I'll send you a cat ball. I don't, whatever. <laughs> Teach his own. That's the way I look at things. 
Um, yeah, it's just, it's just sad when people get into those situations where they look beyond themselves for, for, oh, this, that, another thing. And their, their, their own front doorstep is, is miserable. And it's yeah. like, what? I don't know. It's, it's kind of sad, but I, that's why I'm doing my part now is I'm reaching out to people and they're, and they're coming back to me like, thanks, Chris. And that's one of the biggest compliments I get, honestly, Heath, lately is the fact that people see me and they know that I have opinions, but they see that I'm trying to love and respect everybody. And I'm trying to, I get, I had, I had somebody actually challenged me that not too long ago. They said, you know, Chris, you're raw and scripted and you're, you're, you're the no excuses coach and everything else like that. But I never see, I went through your post. People told me this, like I go through your timeline and I never see where like you're picking, you're taking a stance on mass or you're taking a stance on vaccinations or you're stake, taking a stance on, on, you know, black lives matter. And I'm like, so what you can tell I've, I've actually done that. But I, they're like, what are you teaching your son? You, you talk about fighting for what's right and what's fair and everything. And I'm like, this is what I'm teaching my son. I'm teaching my son that I'm not going to be the person that's going to be like, oh, yeah, you and you and you and you. I'm going to be the person that says, okay, ultimately in the world, something is going on and there's a right and there's a wrong. I want to be there for the people who are wrong, who need healing afterwards. So I can show that I could be the bridge between the two different situations because I can have I can have respect and and empathy and understanding for what people are going through. And if ultimately, you know, one half of the nation or, you know, crumbles or whatever, or loses their, their, their shit, I want to be there for them and say, not to say, I told you so, but say, Hey, listen, you know, I'm not judging you. You know, if you want to have a different perspective, then great. And even if it's the people that I agree with, so be it. And I've told people that, you know, that I agree with, cause I don't know what the fucking truth is. Anyway, you and I've talked about this. I'm like, yeah. I don't know what the facts are. I don't know who's making shit up. I used to trust the CDC. Do I not trust them anymore? Do I trust what? I mean, everybody's an expert. Everybody's got a PhD. Everybody's an epidemiologist. But each, I'm like, I don't know what to fucking believe. All I know to do is go by my gut, surround myself with smart people. If I want to learn something, I go Google it. If not, I just, I live with it and I just enjoy my life. That's the best way to do it, man. So what's the number one thing you want people to take away from this episode as we kind of wrap things up? What is it that you want them to know most about themselves what is it that you want people to walk away from this maybe that they didn't know about themselves before that you hope they realize um wow that's uh let me think about that the first thing that comes to my mind is what bill white said to me back when i was a 17 year old kid dating his daughter and wanted me to get me back in school he said and i said i'm too old i'm too this and i'm too that and he goes christopher you're only limited by the parameters of your own mind and I thought about that. I was like, wow. And then Henry Ford said the great quote, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. So what I want people to walk away from this conversation is to really realize that you are worth the effort, that you do have the capabilities, that you do have the resourcefulness, that you do have the, the confidence. It's just a matter of taking those first progressive steps and recognizing that it's not going to always be easy. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard, but you're ultimately going to get through it and you're going to grow and you're going to see yourself shift in such a way that you're going to find inner peace and happiness. And that's something that I've been searched for all my life. And now I can say I found it. I mean, I'm the no excuses coach. I mean, I'm fucking brash and everything else, but I found love and peace and harmony and still have, I've got my, still have got my identity and everything about me. But um, the thing about for you guys is, is just really believe in yourself. You know, you have to have a belief and a vision for where it is that you're going and you have to have a tenacity to have self-discipline and have self-love for those moments where you don't feel like it is to ask yourself, do I feel like having the result? I don't necessarily feel like getting up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Fuck you. Yes, you are. You just get up in the morning. You start moving. You'll become a morning person. I promise you, because you may not be a morning person, but you spend that first hour of the morning taking care of yourself and the rest of your day is kick ass. Then you're going to be like, you know what? I may not be a morning person, but I'm going to become a morning person because I get these results. And that's the difference between the people that have that financial and that, that, that personal freedom, which I think everybody wants. Um, once you let go of those constraints and once you put forth the effort and you invest in yourself and you take that consistent, committed action, there's nothing you can't achieve. Awesome. So if they can't do it on their own and yeah. they are looking for a no excuses coach, how can they find you? 
Smoke signals. Smoke <laughs> signals. Lightning bolts in the air. No, they can actually, uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me is through my website, ChristopherRoush.com. R-A-U-S-C-H, ChristopherRoush.com. There's a place in there they can ping me. There's my calendar. I'll, for people who are watching the show, you guys can have a free complimentary coaching session with myself for an hour. Bring any situation to the table and we'll talk about strategies and opportunities for you to walk away, uh, being able to have some tools to impact change on what it is that you're struggling with. And uh, yeah, that would be the best way. Awesome, man. I'm eternally grateful for you coming on the show. I know that this was going to be an awesome conversation and I'm looking forward. We're always on. I thought I was just getting ramped up. I was just getting started. I know, right? Well, it's it's an hour and 15 in, but uh, I don't want to break the record of how long you and I were talking on your show. I think I think we were on yours for about an hour and a half. So, And we could have probably yeah. went for another two hours. But <laughs> Oh, man, I love talking to you, dude. You ask great questions and you've got, a, you've got the right heart. You've got the right perspective. And the thing I love about you, Heath, is that you're vulnerable. You're, you're, you're a guy's guy and you've, you've had all these opportunities. You've had all these successes, but you continue to keep your perspective open. You show up and you listen and you, and you, you apply. You know, where most people aren't doing that stuff and you're like, Hey, what is the next thing? And you have a vision, you have, you have a perspective, like that. You're not just going to live in a silo and not just have your own opinion. You're open to other things and you're strong in your, in your confidence in what your values are. You know, you've always exhibited that to me. Like, here's what I value. Here's what I stand up for. Here's what's right. And what's fair. Here's the things I'm going to do. And massive respect to you, man. I know you're going to accomplish a lot of great things and I want to be there for the ride. You will be, man. You'll be there. We get, we're on Clubhouse all the time together, too. So no matter how how things go for me, I mean, I'm obviously hoping things go to the stars. But that Clubhouse community that you're a part of, like, I don't care. You got some of the biggest names who you have direct access to, you know, Les Brown and stuff like that end up in some of the rooms that we're in every once in a while. And, oh, yeah. you know, these these people are amazing. But you get on there and these people become part of your tribe. So to the listeners that are out there, if you're not on Clubhouse, get on there, look both of us up and jump in some of the rooms that we're on. Every Wednesday night, we have a men's group that uh, I try to be a part of. I'm not as consistent as, as Christopher is, but I get in there as much as I possibly can. But it's a great group that's not just for men. You know, a women come in there and they give their perspectives on some of the stuff that we're talking about. And I feel like since some of the women that have gone there, Mary and Don, you know, once mm-hmm. they've gotten in there, I feel like the conversations have just taken on such a wholeness that they didn't have before we had our side from the guy's oh, side yeah. and then they got in there and chime in on their thing so um you know look us up and join in on some of these rooms that we're in but this is how you attract the tribe and uh you get a part of these circles and have amazing conversations and connect with amazing people like this guy right here so yeah um, i'm grateful for you man i'm so grateful that we cross paths in this life and i'm thankful that you came on the show and this definitely won't be the last time i have you on here we'll have to check back in at some point soon but i'm coming out to see you i'm coming out to see you in 2022 i'm traveling this year and i'm getting i'm getting off this east coast i've got to get out of here i've been stuck here for way too long so we got we got beautiful peaches and and hiking trails and all sorts of shit I, i welcome me out here oh i'd love it man well take care and all the ways that you can reach christopher are going to be in the show notes so go check those out go check him out and everything that he's got going on thank you brother i appreciate it it's been great fun a huge thanks to christopher for joining me on the show and if you're not already on clubhouse get on there sign up join in on the conversation hook up with people like christopher roush myself we're having live conversations many times a week These people, when you're around them and you're in these conversations, will just help lift you up. They become part of your circle. You know, they're in your corner. They're part of your tribe. These people want to help you win in whatever ways possible so that you can manifest your greatest version and bring about your best life. Until next time, 
Thanks for listening. Keep living.